Amen. Amen. Praise God, everybody. Come on, praise the Lord, everybody. We greet you today in the grace, peace, joy, and love of God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Love to the family. Thank God for his love that we can share with one another. Come on, those of you who know God has been good to you. Let's give God some praise. If you know God is a great God, come on, give him some great praise this morning. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, our God is worthy to be praised. For those of you who are watching via the World Wide Web, wherever you are on whatever platform you are, thank you today for the privilege of your time. Thank you for being with us, allowing us into your space to inform your head, inspire your heart, and encourage your spirit to become all that God wants you to be. Remember, you're not watching to make us a big church. We're here to help you become the biggest and best Christian that you can possibly be. And we take it as an honor and privilege that you would be with us on today. Man, this has been a tough two weeks plus. We've had about eight deaths tied directly to our church. Um, Members, immediate family members of members. Uh, We had three funerals on this past week, two last week. Uh, I think we have three scheduled next week. And so it's just been uh, really, really tough. But I'm grateful for our staff. I'm grateful for our leadership. who has just stepped up in such a tremendous way to bless these families. I want you to keep in prayer uh, all of those families and specifically keep in prayer the Robinson family, Reverend Charlie Robinson, his home going is going to be this week um, at the Pilgrim Rest Baptist Church on Janetta. That's their family home church. uh, And we're going to be praying for the family. And then we have the memorial service for Sister Annie Looney, this weekend, this Saturday, and we want to keep that family in our prayers as well, as well as the Mays family. I want you to keep them in prayer. Uh, grateful. I want to give a shout out to the Gentry family. Got a chance to hang out with them a little bit on yesterday and uh, bless Brother Willie Gentry. Uh, he and his family have been such uh, pillars here in our church since they have joined, and we certainly want to give them a shout out and let them know how much we love and appreciate them. It's back to school time. Back to school time, and we want to have a prayer for all of those who are going back to school. We want to pray for the students. We want to pray for the parents. We want to pray for the educators. Uh, And that's in general, but especially those who are going back into HISD. There's a whole lot of turmoil, a whole lot of confusion whole lot of opinions going on Uh, but at the end of the day it is what it is and I will be honest with you and tell you you know I'm a little frustrated because we're talking more about how adults feel than how children learn and I think we've gotten distracted we're focusing on the wrong thing in many instances we're fighting over libraries and we don't seem to care about literacy uh, because our children couldn't read when we had libraries amen somebody When one out of 10 black boys are reading at grade level and two out of 10 black girls are reading at grade level, I don't know why we get mad at TEA, they just got here. This has been going on for generations, decades. And so, you know, I want us to really be prayerful. Uh, Parents, man, they're gonna need our prayer and our support 
Uh, our educators, our teachers are going to need our prayer and our support, and our children are going to need our prayer and our support. Uh, Brother Davis, would you come up, please, and, and lead us in prayer for uh, our back-to-school um, ventures that are going to start. HISD starts tomorrow. Uh, come on, come on in, in, uh, and get the mic. Y'all say amen for Brother Davis. He's an educator. Amen. I want you to pray for our children, our parents, and all of our educators, all right? Amen. Let's pray. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, God Almighty, you know who we are, and you know what is before us. God, I'm so glad that you have prepared us for this time because you are the almighty God. As we look into the future, not knowing what is coming, as we just move in the direction that you guide us, we know it's going to be all right because you're in control of all things. We know that you've got us because you had us in the 50s when we couldn't find our way. We couldn't even go to school. We had to go to freedom schools. You had us in the 60s when we had to march for education. Lord God, now we come to a time when we think we don't know, but all we got to do is look to you. Keep our hand in your hand, knowing that you are the provider, the maker, the creator, and the finisher of all that we have. God, the teachers have a tough job. They have things that they are being given to do that has nothing to do with education, that has nothing to do with teaching children. But yet, they're thrown into these positions. And parents don't know because they're not in their shoes. But yet we strive, we work hard to do what we can for these babies because we know that they are our future. And without a future, there couldn't be anything for us. But you, God, you, God, you got us. You've had us, and you're going to take it to keep us. Amen. So we think that it is with you in our heart, with you who's guiding us and giving us this direction and helping these children to become the best that they can be. Yes, sir. We think and we know that we can ask this with this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Brother Davis. Thank you so much. Come on, let's thank God for our children. Amen. Now today, after our 10 o'clock service, we have our Discovery 101 seminar, our membership seminar as part of our rooted and grounded discipleship process. And so those of you who may be new members, uh, who may be renewing members, uh, this is an opportunity for you to get a 
encapsulated summary, a synopsis of who we are as a church and what God expects from us and what we can expect from him. That's the day immediately following our 10 o'clock service. Rooted and grounded, make some noise. Man, listen, I am so excited about what God is doing in the life of our church. And our testimony today is by a young man who, uh, well, I'm not even going to tell you. I'm just going to show you. Hi, I'm Dr. D.Z. Cofield, Senior Pastor of the Good Old Missionary Baptist Church. And today we're going to talk to one of the young men who grew up in our church. We saw him as a child and we watched him mature, go to college, uh, continue to walk with God for himself, which is sometimes a challenge when you're a PK and your father's a minister and your mother is a mighty woman of God in her own right. Uh, but this young man has been such a blessing and we're just super excited to see what God is doing in his life. I want to welcome to our conversation, Jun Franklin II. Now he used to go by Jay, but he's feeling that Jun Franklin II. So uh, we're going to call him uh, that and a couple of other things because he's my young Jedi. Jun Franklin II, what's going on, brother? Hey, man, nothing much, man. Just blessed to be here, man. Blessed to be here. It's a blessing to just be on the show. I just wanted to give you my thank you just for seeing the opportunity seeing something in me and wanting to interview me and i'm just grateful for all the time that you've given me today as well well man so so tell us uh just about your experience you know you you, you walk with god um for yourself now um, but you grew up as a child in in good hope and you stayed connected when you went to college uh, now you've graduated from college you're, you're, you're doing your adulting thing right uh, but talk about what intrigued you about Rooted and Grounded and why you wanted to get involved in it? Well, you mentioned my uh, mother, who's a strong woman of God. And, you know, just given that, you know, just to, to be a little vulnerable here, you know, I guess my real walk with the Lord by myself has been probably since January. You know, I've, uh, you know, I've always known the Lord, but actually, you know, relying and depending on him and not having any other thing to kind of go to, it's been since January. And so... I was really looking for a community and my mom recommended Rooted and Grounded. And, you know, that was just a great time for me because I was able to, you know, fellowship with, um, you know, community. So I just, I wanted some, some community to be with and that was a great opportunity for me. So that's kind of how I found out about it. Now, now I know you were uh, challenged because you, you went to school in Alabama, right? Yes, sir. And you left Alabama and you went to Charlotte, I think North yes, Carolina sir. for a minute. Yes, sir. Now you're back in Alabama. So tell us what you're doing. Well, yes, sir. I work at a bank. I am a underwriter for commercial loans in the middle market. So, you know, I underwrite loans between um, $5 million to about $2 billion. So that's kind of what I'm doing right now. And I'm kind of waiting on the Lord to kind of direct me and guide my path. You're right. I've been doing a little bit of jumping around. Uh, feel a little bit like David in uh, First and Second Samuel. But I know the Lord has a plan. And so he's going to guide me right where I need to be. What would you say about your rooted experience um, as you look back over uh, what you went through there? Those who have said, you know, hey, in order for this to be really meaningful, you got to be in person. Uh, you can't do it on a digital platform. Um, I beg to differ, but I'd like to hear your opinion about just how meaningful an experience it was for you uh, doing it primarily virtually because you live out of the city. Well, Pastor, I, I do want to start off by saying that um, 
when I do come back to town, my group and I, we're all going to go get something to eat. So if that's not a testimony to how, you know, impactful it was, I don't know what else is because I love to eat. So I think that it's really important to realize that I think it's not about in person. I think about is how much of your heart are you willing to share? and How safe is the space that has been created? You know, I think that it doesn't really matter if you're within arm's length of somebody, if nobody's really sharing what's on their heart. We had some deep moments on that call. You know, there were some things on that call that people talked about that I was pretty surprised. And, you know, I was grateful for them, you know, being very vulnerable. And I was happy that we created a space for everybody to be vulnerable because I think that, excuse me, but a lot of times we see that the enemy likes to play with secrets. He likes yeah. to uh, keep things in the dark. And so I think that there were people who will be, we, who were able to get free, you know, I was, even when I was doing my nice words, it was a few people I was able to speak life into and just tell them that they're doing great and to tell them to keep going. And, you know, that was because they shared how they were feeling a little bit with us. And I just think that the most important thing is getting a group of people together who don't mind, you know, putting, you know, putting themselves out there. And I think you can't start with that. I think it starts off by everybody having a safe environment. There always normally is one person who shares something I was able to really share openly how I felt just because I'm so young and I need help. So I, I can really care less about being embarrassed at the end of the day. I'd rather, you know, get my answers and kind of get some guidance and have some people praying over me than just kind of keep all this to myself just because, you know, I know how the enemy works. And so I've tried to like come against the schemes in different forms and fashions. And so I guess that as long as you're open and you communicate and everybody creates an environment where it's safe, I think that it can be very helpful and uh, it can be a great experience. Man, that, that, boy, listen, I wish I had thought of that. So I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to use it and I'm going to give Jean Franklin the second credit for saying that because I think you just said it so well when we think about whether we're in person or on the digital platform. Uh, it's really not about the medium that we use. It's about the mentality that we come to this with and our openness to uh, just be share, just to share, be transparent, be vulnerable. And uh, as you said, to create that safe space. Come on, let's thank God for John Franklin. We got 14 days until we launch Rooted and Grounded. Uh, registration is open for those of you who are watching over the internet you can be a part of this digital discipleship culture. We would love to have you. And for those of you who are here in the Houston metropolitan area, you can join us as well. It doesn't matter whether you're in person or you are on the digital platform. The question is how open we are. And man, I'm so proud of that young man, 23 years old. Uh, matter of fact, I recruited him and told him after our interview, you are going to be my co-facilitator for my group. Uh, this week, he was a part of Deacon Chestnut's group, and man, just, just, just absolutely tremendous when you see somebody who has come up in the church and to hear him articulating his faith. You know, he was talking to me a little bit offline about some of his struggles as a believer, and I told him, "Man, join the club." You know, the only ones, even the ones who are pretending not to struggle, we're still struggling. We're still trying to figure this thing out day by day. Uh, we just hope that we're doing better today than we were doing yesterday. But, man, we thank God for him. Come on, one more time. Let's thank God for Brother John Franklin. Let's go to God in prayer and ask God's blessings on our time today. Father, we thank you and we bless you for this day. We pray now that everything that we do and everything that we say, that it will be pleasing in your sight, that it will bring glory and honor to your name. 
let the great seed of your word find good soil in our hearts that we would be more than just hearers of your word we would be doers as well it's in Jesus name we pray amen why did God make his grace available to you why did God send his amazing grace for you and I to experience in our lives most believers make the mistake of thinking that God has given his grace so that they could personally enjoy God's favor on their life in other words God sent grace simply to bless me and what they fail to understand what many of us fail to understand is that God has shown us grace and has given us grace so we would learn how to show grace to somebody else. How we can be conduits of the grace of God into the lives of other people. So that we're not only experiencing the favor of God in our life, but we're helping other people experience the favor of God in their life. In churches all around the world, we have become so egocentric, so me-centered in our preaching and in our teaching and in our theology and in our singing that everything is about me and what God is going to do for me. And we don't talk much about what God expects from me. We talk a lot about what we want God to do for me. But we don't talk about what God wants to do through each and every one of us. Today, for a few moments, I want to continue our series, Making Space for God's Grace. And I want to talk about how God's saving grace must become your serving grace. How God's saving grace must become your serving grace. Now, one of the reasons I believe God has really put this on my heart is to encourage us as we continue our movement toward launching our fall discipleship campaign. Uh, God is challenging me, and I believe God is challenging all of us, to think outside of the box when we think about to whom we want to invest time to disciple. See, one of the things you might make the mistake of thinking is, I'm going to invite somebody to be a part of my rooted and grounded group who in essence I think is worthy to be in my group or who deserves to be in my group. When the truth of the matter is the grace of God, remember unmerited favor, undeserved goodness is never given because we deserve it. It's always given because we need it. And so as you think about who you're going to have in your group, as you think about facilitating a group on your own and congratulations to those of you who have already decided to facilitate a group let me share this with you don't make the mistake of looking for people who you think are worthy to be in your group ask people who really really need to be in your group who really need to experience having somebody intentionally pour in their lives to help them come to know Jesus and to help them grow in Jesus. If you have your outlines, would you say amen? amen? If you need an outline, raise your hand and the ushers will get one to you. How God's saving grace must become your serving grace. Here's the one point for today. Number one, 
You need to realize you are saved by grace to do good works. You need to realize you are saved by grace to do good works. Now, for somebody who may be listening today, somebody who may be eavesdropping, you might be thinking, man, that's so simple. I understand the simplicity of the point. Here's what you need to understand, the difficulty in living it out. See, we listen to something and say, oh, that sounds so simple. Then just do it. Because the truth of the matter is, we already know more than we're living. If I can just get you to live what you already know, we'd be a much better church and you'd be a much better Christian. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are his workmanship. Why were you saved? Why did God send his son to die for you? Too many of us, when we think about our salvation, we think only individually. We don't think about the kingdom of God or the collective that we are a part of, the ecclesia, the called out assembly, the church of Jesus Christ. And what's interesting is many of us make the mistake in the body of Christ that the disciples made. They saw Jesus as the answer to the persecution that they were experiencing under the Roman government. And they wanted Jesus to turn the Roman government upside down and to establish his rule and reign over this temporal land. And God showed us through Jesus that more than systems, he was concerned about people. He wasn't concerned about changing the kingdoms of this world as much as he was concerned about establishing his kingdom in the world. And he understood that he could establish his kingdom in the world in the midst of any kingdom that existed in the world. And so when he teaches us to pray and he says things like, thy kingdom come, and thy will be done. He's, he's talking about us having a kingdom of God mentality. So many of us walk around as if we've been saved to be blessed by God. And if we're not blessed by God, somehow God has let us down. God, what are you doing? God, don't you know how good a Christian I am? Don't you know how great a job I'm doing, at least trying to live right and do right? And God says, that's not the purpose for your salvation. The purpose for your salvation is to help other people come to know God, help other believers grow in God so that the kingdom of God can grow here within this world. Our temporal existence is only intended to help all of us prepare for our eternal existence. So God says you have been saved, but for what? Look at A, you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. You are God's workmanship. Now that word workmanship is a, is a great word. Uh, in some translations, it's translated creation. Um, here's what he's basically saying to you and to me. Um, God is making you into what he wants you to be. 
He's in the process of molding you and shaping you. F.F. Uh, F. Bruce, that noted theologian, says that every believer is God's work of art, that you are God's masterpiece, that God is molding you and shaping you. Now, now here's what's interesting about this. Uh, when it says we are his workmanship, his creation, the verb phrase there, we are, is in the indicative mood, present tense, and the active voice, which means God has not worked on you once and for all. No, he is continuing to work on you, but you are still his masterpiece. Now, most of us, when we think about a masterpiece, we think about a finished work of art or finished work of music and people laud it and it has critical acclaim. And we say, for example, the Mona Lisa is a masterpiece. Nobody called the Mona Lisa a masterpiece while it was still being painted. It wasn't until after it was done. So for some of us, we have a hard time recognizing that we are his workmanship. We are his art. We are God's masterpiece. And God is constantly working on you. He's creating you. He's molding you. Hopefully, when you look at your life, you're better now than you were five years ago. You're, you're better now than you were 10 years ago. You're better now than you were 15 minutes. You may not be better now than you were 20 minutes ago, but you sure ought to be better now than you were 20 years ago. Because God is making you. Uh, that song that the choir sang today, God is preparing me for something in my life. He's molding you. He's shaping you. He's pruning you. He's purging you. You are actively being worked on by the power of God. Uh, look at Ephesians 2, 5. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. So God quickened you by his spirit. He made you alive but he didn't stop there. He's not only making you alive. The Bible says he is making you into a new creature. Second Corinthians five verses 17 through 19. Let's read it together. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. He entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. Watch this. If you are saved, you have been reconciled to God. He says, but now we have the responsibility to share the message of reconciliation with other people. Uh, I grew up part of my life in the Jacob Reese housing projects on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. Uh, and what was amazing was how quick news spread when something was being given away. Man, when something was given away, I don't care what it was, government butter, cheese, rice, peanut butter that you couldn't spread on the bread. You, you remember what I'm talking about, that cheese that you couldn't melt, right? Man, listen, when the giveaway started, 
everybody heard about it. Now, remember, we didn't have cell phones back then. We didn't have pages. Nobody could text anybody. But it was amazing how that grapevine started working. Everybody was picking up the phone, calling everybody, hollering at everybody, hollering the windows up. Man, hey, y'all, hey, they're giving away. Y'all better come on and get some. Everybody spread the word. How is it that we have the best news in the world and we can be so quiet about Jesus saves? From the utmost to the guttermost. How is it that we have such a hard time letting people know that Jesus saves, that he changes lives? He says, we have been given this message of reconciliation to take to somebody else. Look at B. We are God's workmanship created to do good works. We are God's creation. We are God's masterpiece. What have we been created to do? We have not been created for people to simply come and look at us. We have not been created for us to simply come and look at each other. We have not been created to simply pat each other on the back. The Bible says we have been created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That word good simply means beneficial, right? Good stuff, not negativity, positivity. You heard me say earlier, we want to inform people's head and inspire their hearts and encourage their spirits to be all that God wants them to be. In our training last year, we talked about the fact that every person in the world, you have a choice. You can add value to them or you can take value away from them. When you leave people, when you are finished interacting with people, I don't care who it is, family member, friend, stranger, have you added value to them or have you taken value away from them? He says, we have been created for good works, works, deeds, activities, actions. We haven't been created for good words. We've been created to do good works. What a tragedy that in the body of Christ, we are known for what we talk and less about what we walk. Oh, we got all of the Christian cliches and phrases. We, we know exactly what to say. But the question is, what do we do? I had an opportunity this past week to speak at the faith breakfast for uh, Santa Maria Hostel, one of our partnering groups. Some of you have been there in your rooted and grounded groups. And on and on, the uh, coordinator that we uh, interact with, uh, man, just, just went on and on about the difference our presence has made. And how blessed she has been by our church and by our leadership. Yeah, give the Lord a hand of praise. It's, I mean, yeah, she, she even asked Deacon Martin, she asked about you and, and said she's got another baby shower going. I didn't understand. She said, Alvin Martin, he'll understand. She said, just tell him we need another baby shower done, right? But, but it's just absolutely tremendous to know that our church is making a difference in the lives of people. We don't want to talk about it. 
We want to be about it. Right? We want to make a difference. He says, you, you, you have been created to do good walk, uh, works. And then he says at the end of verse 10 that we should walk in them. Um, that, that word walk, uh, peripateo, is a word that is not about a stroll. It's about a lifestyle. It's how we should live, right? He says we should live in good works. We should walk in good works, that we have been created to do good works. Now, when we look at Matthew 5, 16, Jesus says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they, the world, may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Not that they may give glory to you, but that they may give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Colossians 1, 9 and 10. Let's read it together. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Can I tell you one of the mistakes I think we've made in the body of Christ is just my own humble opinion. I think we have emphasized too much the gifts of the spirit and have not emphasized enough the fruit of the spirit. We're, we're more concerned about displaying the gifts than we are about displaying the fruit. Love, peace, joy, patience, kindness. No, no, we're worrying about the, the gifts and what people will applaud us for instead of the fruit and how people can experience God in our day-to-day living. Hebrews 10, 24 says, and let us consent, consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. That's why our life groups are so important. That's why our discipleship culture is so important. That's why I believe we've had the best summer we've had in the 29 years that I've been here as a pastor. Our volunteerism is up. Our serving is up. Our spiritual growth is up. Uh, our giving is up. Every aspect, every metric that you would use to determine whether or not a church is successful it has been up over this summer in comparison to any other summer we've had, and it's in part because we have moved from sitting to serving. And we're not inviting people to come and sit, to be entertained, to take the role of a spectator. We invite people to serve, to be participators in the kingdom work of God. Look at James chapter 2. Beginning at verse 14, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. 
But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. Some have tried to create this juxtaposition between Paul and, and, and James to say that if you're saved by faith, you can't be saved by works. And James says, no, I have no problem being saved by faith, but you show that you're saved by the works you have, by the works you do. And so Paul, I believe, is complimentary or James is complimentary to Paul because basically here's what James says. What you believe can only be proved by how you behave. Don't tell me your doctrine and not show me in your duty. Don't, don't tell me the principles you believe and you don't put them into practice. He says you have been created to do good works. Don't give me lip service. Give me life service. And then watch what James does. James says, uh, James says, let me give you all an example. James says, uh, somebody comes and, and they need food. They're hungry. They're cold. They need clothing. And you say, go in peace. God bless you. Uh, they're hungry. You say, well, don't worry, God will take care of you. And James says, you know what's wrong with that? You are supposed to be the image of God in their lives. So if they come and they're hungry, guess what God wants you to do? God wants you to be the one to help give them food. If they need shelter, guess what God is calling you to do? Be the one to help provide shelter for them. Uh, we had a woman come this past week who had driven here and she had come from a long distance and she saw Center for Hope. She saw church and she said she needed help and we were able to call one of our partners. She was coming out of what she described as an abusive situation, a life-threatening situation. But this doesn't happen one time. This happens all the time. And what do we do? Should we say to them, go, be warmed, be filled, take care of yourself? If they could take care of themselves, they wouldn't be here. That's why when we talk about serving people, listen to me carefully, and our service projects, we go out and serve, we don't pack boxes, we give away boxes. We don't go to the food pantry and simply pack boxes. That's a noble gesture. But I want you to deal with people. God so loved the world that he gave his son to die for people. And God calls us to deal with people. Our talk needs to be backed up by our walk. Right? We can't, we can't talk a mile and walk an inch. We've got to put our faith into action. We've got to show grace to others like we have received grace from God. So growing up, uh, one of my favorite toys was the CNC toys. You remember the CNC toys? 
uh, the farmer says. Uh, come on, some of y'all remember. Don't act like I'm the only one. And I, man, I used to love the CSA. Talk. Now, I told y'all I grew up in the projects in New York City. So, man, I, I didn't see any animals unless they were on television, right? And uh, you would pull that string. I, man, I almost cried the day my pull string broke. But, but, but you pull that string and, and you would move that arrow around. You remember? And you, you put it on the animal that you wanted to hit. A, and you pull that string and you say, you know, the pig goes, right? You know, you, you go to the cow and you pull that string. The cow says, right? Put it on the horse and the horse says, right? Man, I used to love to see, because that was the closest thing I was going to get to hearing a cow or horse or a pig in person. All right. But, but here's what I realized looking back. I couldn't touch the pig, the cow or the horse. I couldn't smell them. I couldn't benefit from their presence. All I had was the sound. You know what I believe? There's too many of us in the world today who say we are Christ followers, who are see and say Christians. Pull a string. The praying Christian says, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Pull a string. The cliche Christian says, too blessed to be stressed. God's good all the time and all the time. God is good. The sympathetic Christian says, are you okay? I'll put your name on the prayer list. God does not want see and say Christians. God does not want us to talk it and not live it. God wants us to put his grace into action. He wants us to serve out of the grace we have received. And just like we received grace when we needed it the most, God wants us to give grace to people who need it the most. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. You have taught us today that the real challenge in our life and living is not what we are going to believe, but what are we going to do? People see us and they hear what we say, but will they experience your love based on how we serve and what we do? And I pray, God, for everyone under the sound of my voice, both in person and on the digital platform. I pray, God, that you would show them by the power of your Holy Spirit that they can make a difference in the lives of others. And I pray, God, as they make a difference, that they would communicate to those that they are touching that they, too, can make a difference right where they are. Help us, God, to live out the grace that you have blessed us to have, that you have blessed us to experience. To recognize that your grace is not about us being favored 
as much as it is your grace is about us showing that grace that ministry of reconciliation to somebody else so we can help people who need you come to know you and help people who grow in you know you grow in you we thank you and we ask these blessings in Jesus name amen